The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of Today's Homeowner Radio. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my co-host, Joe Truini. We've got a lot of information to share with you during this hour, including the popular use of butcher block for countertops in the kitchen. Any precautions? Yes, there are a few. We'll tell you all about that. Also, more insulation questions, both inside and out. Hardwood floor refinishing. That's always a tough one. You know, how much can you do to a floor or when is it time to refinish the entire thing? Of course, we've got some great emails as well as some calls from all over the country and that valuable piece of home improvement nugget called a simple solution. Joe, what can we expect in a little bit? Well, I'm going to share a tip on what do you do with your old paint? Who who doesn't have old cans of paint laying around? Because you hate to throw it away. You think, I might need it eventually. But, you know, if you've repainted that room, what do you do with the old paint? if you have paint left over. So I have some solutions on how to deal with that properly. I'll have to tell you about my solution on uh, what to do with old paint. Oh, really? Uh, from, okay. From years ago. I'll share that with you in a little bit. But right now, we want to get right to work and uh, start answering as many questions as we can. We'd love to hear one from you. You can call us right now, 800-946-4420. That's the Today's Homeowner Hotline. We're going to tackle a few of those calls we received this week right now. I glued down some stair risers on my rough end stairs and the glue just ain't holding. And I'm thinking of like countersinking some screws. And I don't know, I used the heaviest duty glue they said at Menards. I don't don't know what else to use, but I got to keep them stairs, you know, old treads onto the stairs and I don't know what to do. A couple different ways that you can go about it. Certainly, you can screw those down, and I would consider using a very small diameter screw because that will have a very small head that'll allow you to recess it just a little bit and put the proper type of putty on top of it, and it'll pretty much disappear. But if they're still loose and you can still get glue under there, then we strongly recommend tight bond glue to just put a nice you know amount of glue on there. I guarantee you that will hold and hold quickly. Uh, the pros have been using this for 75 or 80 years, and it has uh, it has proved to be the right glue uh, to use. And then uh, maybe some, uh, you know, screws to hold it um, in place. Joe, that's uh, one of those things that's so uncomfortable when you're walking up and down those stairs. I mean, if they squeak, that's aggravating. If they're moving a little bit, then that's a bit unsettling. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I must say, I'm, I'm a little confused. I'm not really sure what he's doing and why, what he's gluing. He said, I glued down some stair risers to the stairs, to the rough end of stairs. I'm, I'm not really sure what he's doing, but, um, I'm not sure why glue, any glue wouldn't help, but, um, yeah, countersinking or counter boring screws might want to counter bore them and then Pat put in a wood plug to cover, hide the screw. You know, certainly glue and screw is usually, screws are usually all you need to hold any wooden piece in place. And usually you only get one chance to do it. So you might as well right, yeah. do it, do it right. And, uh, You'll be able to um, go up and down those stairs when you sneak down for those uh, midnight snacks without anybody knowing a thing. Hey, let's go to the, today's homeowner hotline for another call. My question is about maple floors. 
the tongue and groove flooring is sort of has separated here and there, and there's spaces between a lot of the boards. And down in, in the spacing, there's dirt in there. Now, how do I get that out, and then uh, what do I use to fill it up with? Well, that's a tough one. First of all, maple floors like that are absolutely beautiful. Beautiful, And, yeah. um, you know, have a crack here and there. I mean, it's part of the character, as they always say, about hardwood floors because the solution is not an easy one. I've seen people try to caulk it. Big mistake. Yep. I've seen people fill it in with sawdust and glue? Uh, stain or glue. Right. Then that becomes rigid, and then when you have that little bit of expansion and contraction, uh, it pops out and cracks out, and you really right. have a mess. Yeah. Um, of course, you know any of the dirt or sand that you have down down in there, just a a good concentration of vacuum. You know, just vacuum clean it very very well, and that'll pull any of that out. But I would hesitate to recommend. Filling any of those voids, Joe. Absolutely. You know, it just won't stay in there. Yeah, because come summer when it's humid out and those boards try to expand, you know, whatever's in there, like you said, is going to get squeezed out or or it's going to fracture and crack and and pop out if it's a hard surface. As far as getting the dirt out, the, the most effective way is to use a thin blade putty knife and scrape along that joint. But at the same time, vacuum as you go. So get a vacuum, take off whatever's on the end so you just have the end of the wand. And as you're scraping and vacuuming, you're you're sucking it all up. Because if you just try scraping it and then go and vacuuming it, too much of it falls back in. So I would scrape it and vacuum at the same time, then go over it once you've got it cleaned out as well as it can be, then go over the joint with just the vacuum. Now, okay, what's going to prevent dirt from falling back in there? Nothing. So you may have to redo this, but, you know, I mean, no matter what, even the you know, maybe twice a year. I don't know how often, unless you're tracking in a lot of dirt purposely. Um, you know, you shouldn't really need to do this more than a couple of times a year. All right, let's go back to the hotline for another call. I live in an old home, and the bathtub is discolored. Seems like some of the enamel has been worn off. So can those bathtubs be repaired on the inside? Well, the answer is uh, yes. Um, We do recommend you get a professional to do it. A lot of the the kits, the do-it-yourself kits, I think they still have a little bit of work to do on those because Mm -hmm. it needs to be improved a little bit, particularly the... Um, installation of those or the application of those, it can be extremely hard. But Joe, I've heard a lot of good feedback yes. from those companies. Um, I guess a lot of them are franchise companies mm-hmm. uh, that yep. can come in and essentially it's one day or a day and a half and your tub just looks fantastic. Yeah, because there's too many things that go wrong with the DIY kits, um, especially in the prep area and they're very toxic and the fumes are, are you know, almost unbearable. Um, and if it's not prepped properly, and I'm talking about like really extreme prep has to be perfect, then the top coat's not going to stick and then you have a worse problem. Um, so I would, yeah, I, I agree with Danny. I think you definitely have to hire a professional refinisher. And while they're in there, check the sink as well, because this might be a good time if the sink's showing a little bit mm-hmm. of wear, assuming it's the same age as the tub, then they can do both. And you'll end up with two brand new looking fixtures and you won't have to replace them. Well, you know, the other thing, too, is uh, the, the other options that have been made available, the type of bath, um, the um, 
that go over the, I can't quite think of the name of the company, Bath Fitter. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah bath, bath Fitter fit. is one. Yeah. Um, the vinyl uh, liners that go over yeah, the top. Yeah, that, you're right. That's that's an option, too, that, for that's, most That's those. another option. So you could kind of price out both of those uh, to see. Joe, it seems like you were talking about a statistic about um, walk-in showers. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Um, you know, we have so many people that are looking for the opportunity to remove a tub and do a walk-in shower. Uh, you know, as you get older and just convenience and so forth there. Yep. What were what were some of those uh, round numbers that you came up with on that? Yeah, this is a brand new statistic that just got released that the national average cost ranges, and this is for a brand new professionally installed walk-in shower. So essentially what they typically do is take out the bathtub and they put in this walk-in shower. And the average ranges from 8000 to 15000 with with most people paying around 9000 which makes sense on the lower end because 15000 is a lot. Um, and this is this includes the, this is all custom built ceramic tile walls and acrylic shower pan, pr- a brand new pressure balancing shower valve and a and a glass door. Um, you know, a brand new glass door. Um, some costs can be as high as 20000 if you're making it accessible for someone with any kind of disability. So it would be like a curbless walk-in shower with with a seat, a built-in seat, grab bars, tile walls and floor, and a removable sliding bar shower head, which has this which has like a shower head you can take off and it you can adjust it up and down again for people who might be in a wheelchair or whatever. So, you know, it could be as high as twenty thousand, but most people are paying about nine thousand, which still is pretty high, but it does completely transform your bathroom. It does something completely different. And one of the reasons for the cost is because it does affect so much. It can affect right. your floor, or if it doesn't affect the floor, you're going to want a new floor probably because everything's so clean and pretty and right. shiny. And and then also you have the wall situation where you may have ceramic budding up to it. So all of those are different considerations. Again, if you would like to contact us through the Today's Homeowner Hotline, it's 800-946-4420, or send us an email anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash Hey, coming up, we're going to be talking about using butcher block countertop in the kitchen. Is it a good idea? Do you have to do anything special to make it last? We'll tell you all about it and a whole lot more coming up here on today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Duck Brand Weatherization Products. The Today's Homeowner Radio Show is heard coast to coast on some amazing stations, over 350 of them, including KVTA AM 1590 in Ventura, California. Big welcome to everybody in and, in and around the California area there. We've got a lot of great stations out there and a lot of great listeners, and we appreciate each and every one. And we want to hear from you, no matter where you are in the country. Send us an email right now, todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or you can pick up the phone and call us on the Today's Homeowner hotline, 800-946-4420. That's what Anna did for Missouri. Anna, welcome to the show, and uh, how can we help you out here? Yeah, I had a question. I watch a lot of the home renovation shows, and and they show putting butcher block countertops in, and we kind of like to do that. But I had a question about it around the sink, because I know wood and water don't always get along. I was wondering if there's a certain type of wood I needed to go with, and then when it comes to sealing it, do I need to polyurethane it? 
Now, what do I need to do to protect it from the water? All right. Great questions. Um, I'll tell you what, recently on our Today's Homeowner television show, we've we've installed um, Butcher Block a number of times. One reason is because it just worked out very well in terms of the color and the style of kitchen that we were working on, but also the availability. Um, it's amazing. I saw it at Home Depot. I've seen it at a lot of other home centers. These planks of countertop, some of them are 30 inches, some of them are 24 inches wide, and they come in eight foot links. And I was shocked at the inexpensive nature of them. You're usually shocked at how expensive something is. Right, yeah. But um, but these were very reasonable, very easy to work with. And uh, you can actually uh, go to todayshomeowner.com and see a couple of those episodes that we've done um, with using the butcher block. But um, the thing, uh, to the answer to your question in terms of making sure that it is sealed properly is important. And of course, a lot of the wood they use for that, uh, most of the wood they use for that is very dense. So, you know, it's not going to absorb things very much. But I'll tell you what we found is um, a product from Woodcraft. And you can go to woodcraft.com and look for the sealer for butcher block countertops. That way you can put it in place. You can cut out for your sink. Then you can put the sealer on it and include the inside part of where the sink will sit in the cavity just to seal off any opportunity for wood to get into the butcher block. But uh, boy, did it ever turn out good. Every project that we've done on that, it's just got a a, a cool, warm feel to the kitchen once you install that. But uh, that's what I would recommend is uh, making sure you do seal it properly with that. But it has to be a food-safe type of sealer, which is very important when you're doing that. All right. I made note of that. I will do that. But it's easy to work with. We'd love to see a picture of it, Anna, once you get it all complete. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Joe, have you used that, the more modern type of material? I mean, it's like an inch and a quarter thick, and um, and it's just, I don't know where what, it comes from. What is from it made out of? I don't even know. I mean, yeah. it's... Uh, no, I don't uh, think I, so. I think, yeah. I think I used one that was actually made out of bamboo. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bamboo is very resilient, but I'm, I mean, my opinion is I would never put wood anywhere near a sink. There's no way to keep from splashing water all over it. You know, if you're starting with, okay, here's what you have to do. It's a Herculean effort to prep it and repair it and uh, seal it. You know, you're, you're anticipating a problem before the problem starts. So to me right there, alarms go off. It's like, well, wait a minute, why am I even doing this? Do I love the look of wood that much? <laughs> Usually butcher block is saved for a prep area of a countertop, you know, where you're doing bakery, mixing dough or chopping food or whatever. And I personally, I would keep it away from the sink and use another material there and use the wood elsewhere. Of course you can. There's some fantastic simulations of um, hardwood cat, you know, or butcher block type of finish. So you might consider some of those as well. Let's go to a few emails here. Okay. Appreciate all the emails we've gotten. Encourage you to send us one at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. That's what George in Michigan did. Said, you know, um, some time ago, uh, Today's Homeowner did a segment on how to repair sealing drywall seam cracks on textured surfaces. There was a repair process recommended than using a manufactured product to cover over the cracks. And I've attached a picture for the crack. Pretty typical crack here that yeah. se- mm-hmm. seems as if it must be a seam, like where two yeah, it of looks the like it, right? drywall panels come together. So, George, what you would need to do is get you some get your screws, like inch and five eighths, inch and three quarters, and then 
go along here about every six inches on each side of that crack and install those screws. And then just slightly recess them just a little bit. Then you need to get a sanding pad and sand on each side of that crack, let's say three or four or five inches to kind of smooth that out a little bit, wipe all that dust off. Then you'll need to tape it with drywall tape. And you're basically applying joint compound on the crack. You're putting the tape on it and letting it dry and then coming back with two more coats, lightly sanding. And then the texturing that you're talking about, texturing a can. I'll tell you what, um, there's been some texture in the can out there for many, many years. And boy, is it ever a hit and miss kind of a situation. Joe, I don't know if you had the same experience I've had over the years, but boy, you get one can, it works great. Right, you get yeah. another can from the exact same shelf, exact same place, and yeah. it, like it blows up all over you. Yeah. Um, but um, but I'll tell you, Owens Corning redeveloped all of that, and uh, that was one of the things I just saw at the trade show. It'll be out in the next few weeks, next few months, that they've redesigned the whole thing, you know, and guarantee that it works. And I tried a can of it myself. It is completely different than what's out there now, a lot more consistent. So there is hope that you can spot repair textured ceilings by using the right texture on that. Just practice on a piece of cardboard a little bit before you go and obligate inside. And the step-by-step -step instructions of, of the process I just mentioned are available at todayshomeowner.com. But, uh, you know, texture is good because it hides yeah. def defects. It's bad because it's hard to replicate because almost every textured wall kind of is uh, kind of individual in its actual finish. Exactly. And George sent the photograph, and this is very lightly textured. If I'm reading this photograph correctly, I mean, it's not a popcorn ceiling by any stretch of the imagination. So it's a very fine texture, which sometimes is harder to replicate than, than one that's more coarse, let's say. And he mentioned, uh, we had talked about a product. There are these essentially like a liquid rubber, almost a clear liquid rubber that you put over the crack once you repair it. And it's paintable. And this way, if there's any expansion or contraction of that crack, if it tries again, it it, it stays hidden behind this rubber coat. And mm -hmm. there's one called, mm -hmm. well, the first one I ever used is called Good, I think it's called Goodbye Cracks, which is kind of a funny name. <laughs> but I don't know what's happened with that. I don't know if someone sold the company and there's only a few cans left, but it's extremely expensive. It's like $40, $50 a can, oh, and wow. it's hard to find. So um, Gorilla Glue makes one called Waterproof Patch and Seal. And then there's one called uh, Leak Stopper Rubber Flex, Flex with two X's. And those are both sprays. So I'm not sure they work on a ceiling. They might. Or you can get one in a squeeze bottle called Hairline Crack Sealer by a company. It's, I think it's called EZR. The letter's EZR. And it comes in a little squeeze bottle, so that would work. But the idea is you put that over the crack, and when it dries, then you can paint it, and hopefully the crack will be hidden from view if it does open up again. You know, Joe, as I've traveled around over the years, it's amazing to me how different homes are geographically. You know, and a yeah. lot of that is driven by weather conditions. You know, naturally, yeah. a house built in Connecticut is going to be different than a house built in the southeast. But, um, but, but texture on walls is also a very unique one. You know, you have the skip skip trialing. Right. Yeah. You have the you know different types of. Heavy popcorn, light popcorn. On ceilings, art. we have the swirl. 
Swirl, that's right. right yeah, yeah. That, that's quite an art there. I don't know if they still do that very much. You know, I see it all over the place, but it's really funny how different, and that's just one small aspect of things. When you get into foundations, oh, man, it's all over the place there. But um, such a unique way of, of going about uh, that, and uh, that's where finding people in your area that, uh, you know, has done that kind of work is so important to really blend in those renovation type of projects. Yeah, that's why... Um textured ceilings and walls if anything happens like a crack or a piece of drywall tape peels off the repair is much more difficult than if it's just a standard you know flat painted wall you know i try to stay away from anything textured if something happens and something always happens it's a much costlier and more timely uh, repair to make that's exactly right hey you're listening to today's homeowner radio when we come back we're going to be talking about insulation there are always questions about insulations. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. And we're so glad to be with you each and every week here on today's Homeowner Radio and hope everything's going well around your house, whether you're taking it easy today or having to do a little work, or maybe you've got that list on the refrigerator that's bugging you a little bit, whatever it is, we want to help you with any of the challenges that you may be having. And, you know, you can go to our Facebook page, the Today's Homeowner Facebook page, a lot going on there, a lot of information for you. You can send us a message through there or give us a call, 800-946-4420, and you can send us an email by going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Right now, we're going to check in uh, in Missouri. Stan is on the line. Stan, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us what's going on around your house there. I'm wondering about insulation, whether to uh, do the inside studs or do some of that uh, wallboard type stuff on the outside. Or Do you have accessibility to the walls inside, or would you have to remove things? Well, I might have to remove them, sheetrock. So there's no insulation in the walls right now, Stan? Not that I'm aware of. Whoa. Okay. I asked my aunt one time, I said, what kind of insulation you got? She just kind of looked at me. She said, huh? <laughs> <laughs> How old a home are we talking about? Early in mid-50s, I think. Still should have insulation, but go ahead. Okay. What's on the outside of the house? What type of uh, siding? or um, Is it brick or siding or what you got? It's, it's siding. It's uh, kind of a wood positive type. And, and the boards are running sideways horizontally? Well, the most common thing there, because of the cost um, of removing walls either inside or outside, is to actually have that insulation pumped in to the walls. And what they generally will do from, on that, from the outside, right? From the outside. Yeah. And what I've done on this many, many times, it can be done on the inside. Just depends on whether you want lots and lots of holes in your drywall, or you go to the outside, what we've done there a lot of times is simply remove one piece of siding right at the top of the walls all the way around. And then you basically, they bring their hose out and in a half a day, they fill all those voids with either a foam or they also have a cellulose blow-in blanket approach that has a little bit of glue mixed with it. But basically, it just fills those voids in. It does a very good job. The only thing you have to uh, be aware of on that one, Stan, is that a lot of times the older houses will have fire blocking, which is a horizontal blocking, midway up the wall. If that's the case, then you have to remove two pieces of siding to insulate the upper part as well as the lower part. 
part. But if the siding comes off well, and you, there's a lot of tricks in getting the siding off um, easily, then you can put the same siding right back up, a little touch-up painting, and you are saving money right from the start. Yeah, I know it's old rough salt oak too, just like concrete. Yeah, well, that that again, that can be a challenge, but you can, I'll tell you, taking an, um, a multi-purpose tool, an oscillating tool with a little metal cutting blade, boy, you can slip up behind uh, the underside of where the nailing pattern is. Uh, you know, on the face of that um, piece you're taking out and, uh-huh. and clip clip those nails. A lot of times it'll fall right out there for you. Maybe a little bit of work where the paint maybe has it sealed together. But a lot of times you can move that out pretty easily. Well, I have seen uh, some of the underlayment, and it's not plywood. It's, uh, oh, like one by four rough side uh-huh. going vertical. I see. Uh-huh. And there's just little gaps in between them. Uh-huh. Well, you're able to just drill right through all of that, or they'll be able to drill right through all of it. They'll remove the one piece of siding, then drill in. All they need is a hole about two and a half inches around just okay. to pump that, that nozzle in there. And uh, uh, I'd call around some of the some of the insulation guys and ask them, have they done that before? You'll find one in your neighborhood, in your uh, neck of the woods that um, does this all the time, and people will keep recommending that one company. Get a price and see if it makes sense. But without a doubt, you'll save money right away how much and what percent not real sure of joe what do you think what other uh, thoughts can you give stan yeah stan do you know if other homes in your area were all built around the same time uh pretty much yes and they're similar to your home similar. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you check with your neighbors, see what's going on there. And if they have a similar situation and you may find they did, and they actually hired a contractor to pump in some insulation. Cause, um, you know, at first I think you have to determine that there is indeed no insulation in your walls. And there's a couple ways to do that. The way I always recommend is first take off the cover plate from an outlet and if there's a little bit of space around the electrical box, you can sometimes even see if there's insulation in there. Or you can take a little piece of wire, drill a small hole, bend a hook on the wire, shove it in the wall, and pull it out. And usually that little hook will catch on any insulation. You'll pull out a little tuft. If you just hear it rattling around in a hollow space, then you know you have no insulation. I just would be surprised if a home, even if it's built in the 50s, would have no insulation. Um, but either way, if, if your home is really cold... It might be just too little insulation, which they can still pump in some, as Danny said, either foam or cellulose that can dramatically cut your heating bills. But, uh, no, I did cut a hole in a wall, put an outlet in one time, and there wasn't oh, anything in it. Nothing in it? Nope. This was an exterior wall, right? Yes, yes. Well... Well, there you go. All right, well, start a, pumping give it the, in. Yeah, give the insulation contractors a call. I bet you'll find one that uh, has dealt with it many, many times. And also, don't forget about that attic. That attic uh, needs at least 14 inches of insulation in it right now. So that's something that you can address very quickly and will have the biggest effect on your heating and cooling bill is making sure that attic is up to speed. But, uh, uh, Stan, thanks so much for being with us on the show and hope you have a great weekend and hope all your projects go well. Well, thank you. Okay, my pleasure. Bye-bye. Oak, oak siding. Wow. I don't think yeah. I've seen that in a while. Yeah. yeah, and it might not have been oak, but, it, you know, it's a, it's yeah. a, it could be that hard pine yeah. that's as hard as oak. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And, you know, a lot of that sheathing on those older houses would be like one by eight, so kind of a low-quality right. one by eight running diagonally. 
And right. you're talking about a pretty strong house now. There's no doubt about oh, it. You yeah. get that three-quarter inch and, you, and it's nailed properly. Boy, that, that house is sturdy, which um, makes it very hard to, to do things like build additions onto it, cut doors in, windows yeah, in, yeah. because I've done it a thousand times. I know. I, I, I know how many saw blades I've, I've gone through. <laughs> yeah. Thousands. And, remember, and when you built your house, you actually insulated some of the interior, all the interior walls, right? Yeah, I did all of yeah. the interior walls. That's for, with, for noise reduction, with, though, Yeah, right? for min- yeah. mineral wool, um, you know, so that um, if, if you know, if the wife's talking to me in the other room, I'm, honey, <laughs> I mean, we put this in, I can't, I couldn't hear you, you know. You, but, you make it sound like you listen to her when she's in the same room as you. Well, that's true. Let's that's start true. with that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's always good. And, and, you know, speaking of that insulation in walls, you know, even if you're just removing one wall inside your home, doing a little bathroom remodeling, anything, you Yes, it's a great idea to insulate that wall. I mean, to improve the acoustics in your home and the, um, you know, knocking down the sound transmission from one room to the other. You'll be glad you did when you're sitting there listening to a, um, you know, exhaust fan or listening to um, Willie some, Nelson. You know, yeah, well, <laughs> or anybody, <laughs> anything else. You want to kind of dampen that down a little bit. Okay, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Short break. We'll be right back with more home improvement information that you need to hear. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio, the number one place for practical, realistic home improvement tips. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. And welcome back to the show. Hope you're getting our Today's Homeowner newsletter each and every week in your inbox. All you have to do is go to todayshomeowner.com slash newsletter, and we'll send it to you free of charge each and every week. Right now, we want to go back to the hotline, and that hotline number is 800-946-4420. We have Peggy on the line right now. Uh, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us what's going on around your house. Uh, well, I've got some hardwood floors. They're old, and they're over 100 years old. And I need to refinish them. We had a lot of water damage from a tornado, and it's only buckled like in two spots. And I would like to refinish them, but I do not want to use polyurethane. Okay. And and the reason for not using poly? Well, I just don't like it. It's not as pretty as a good wax floor. Yeah, You're well, right. I, yeah, I agree right. with you, and it's it's the the wax floors like that seem to be fewer and fewer around. But in order to match them all of that up, that would be what needs to be done. So you've talked to a couple um, uh, floor refinishers. What are they saying? They'll sand it and fill in the two places where it's buckled, and then uh, put stain it, put polyurethane on it. That's not going to match everything else. So, uh, Joe, what do you think on this? I know we've talked a lot about hardwood floors and i know you particularly love the 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 finishes you know the oil finish on that yeah penny i think i agree with you um there's not anything particularly wrong with polyurethane i have polyurethane in in my home with an older floor like that you're gonna have to probably go with an oil finish probably tongue oil finish and one of the best ones i i know is called water locks water l-o-x and they make a they make a whole line of products you probably have to call them and and tell them what your situation is, they'd recommend one. They have a tongue oil sealer, but they also have one called H2O Locks. It's called H2O Locks, L-O-X, because that's water-based, um, but it's a tongue oil finish. Um, okay. And they, they would 
probably recommend one or the other. I'm trying to think. And they also have ones that have stain in them too, I believe. Um, but if you can get someone to come in and sand them down, if that's what needs to be done and get them to that stage, you don't have to let them finish it. You can finish it yourself. Applying oil is, is a lot easier than a polyurethane because uh, you know, it soaks into the wood. And, it, and the other thing about polyurethane is even the ones that are least sheeny, you know, the, the lowest sheen or that not as glossy, like the satin or the matte, still has a little bit of a glossy look to it, where which would not match an older home like this or older floor. So the tongue oil would be would be ideal. Um, so call their call their eight hundred number. Go online to waterlocks.com and and check their eight hundred number and give them a call. Yeah, that's good stuff. I thought that's a good suggestion. Oh, it's been around a long time. It's excellent rep, reputation. Okay. Well, thank y'all so much. And I'm I just didn't want to go with polyurethane. Good I understand. For you, I understand. I don't blame you. Don't blame you at all. And uh, so we've got you a, a solution for that. And uh, I hope you can get uh, all of that back together. Sure. Sorry that you had to experience all of that, the, the traumatic um, damage that comes with the tornado. And uh, but it sounds like you got a great attitude and charging right past it. Trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, Penny. OK, Penny, well, will you take you care? So OK, our pleasure. You have a great weekend. Thank you. Yeah, I'll tell you, that's a great attitude to have because, boy, it'll beat you down. I I know people that are that have gone through, you know, some of the hurricane, like Hurricane Sally. I mean, how many years ago that is? Yeah, and they're still yeah. still dealing with their insurance company and, you know, still not where they need to be. I, it really does. Well, you well, live in a region of the country that deals a lot more severe yeah. weather than I do here in Connecticut. Danny's in South Alabama. And, you know, every hurricane season, I I pray that nothing goes through your neighborhood. So you've been yeah, pretty lucky well, we, so far. We hold our breath every year, but so yeah. we, we've been pretty lucky here lately. But uh, hey, I want to get a quick email in here. Love to get one from you. Todayshomeowner.com slash ask. This came in from Sherry. I want to wrap my front porch columns with wood instead of the existing aluminum post. I would love to have dark stained wood columns that would match my wood shutters. Um, my question is, do I put the wood on top of the aluminum? I was thinking um, having some trim on the bottom that's not wood uh, would be good so that it doesn't rot with any kind of the water exposure. Do you have any ideas on this potential project? Well, um, I would actually remove all of the aluminum columns. Um, then you can go back with a, uh, a m the most common way probably is putting in a four by four treated post and make sure that it is really secured well top and bottom. Then you can wrap that with a variety of different wood. Um, if you, you could wrap it with, and it would need to be, of course, a weather-resistant type wood. Cedar is one, and you could use rough side out or smooth side out. Uh, but I would go ahead, and, and that way you can you can trim it out along the bottom with the same type of wood. Stain it, put some really good um, exterior polyurethane on them, and uh, and you're going to, you'll be very, very happy with them. Plus, I particularly love a stained column like that. You can also use a killed, dried pressure-treated wood. This is pressure-treated wood that's a, a higher grade, smoother, less knots, and it's been dried in a kiln to where you're able to um, you stain it fairly quickly and you it eliminates a lot of the bending and cracking and that, and that um, kind of idea. But um, looking at the picture of your house, Sherry, I think uh, it looks good now. It'll look even better with those stained columns. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. When we come back, it's Simple Solution Time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. 
here are Danny and Joe. Yes, it's that time where Joe shares with us yet another simple solution. Joe, what do you have for us this hour? All right, Danny, what do you typically do with partially filled paint cans, right? You have paint left over from jobs. Sometimes it's paint that you're not ever going to use again. So what you don't want to do, of course, you just dump them outdoors or down a sink or in a storm drain or whatever people have been doing all these years. So what you want to do is here's a few ideas. You can donate old paint cans to a school's art department or drama department. They're always looking for, you know, painting scenery, that kind of thing. There's a local chapter of Habitat Humanity. Can some will take paint, will often take paint. You can drop them off at your town's hazardous waste day. Most towns have a at least one day a year where you can bring various hazardous waste um, um, so they can dis- dispose of properly. Um, and what you can also do is take the can, you know, assuming again that you can't find any place else to, to donate or give this paint away, fill the can with cat litter or sawdust, which of course are both very absorbent. Leave the lid off, fill it up, mix it up. And what happens is once all the paint is absorbed, then you can toss it out with your household trash. Uh, you might want to check with your town, but ordinarily you can toss it out at that point because it's a very inert material. It's completely dried and been absorbed, so it's not a liquid waste any longer. But those are a few things to do with your old paint because you do want to get rid of it responsibly and not just dump it somewhere. And that's probably a good project for this weekend or a weekend soon is just to look at all of that paint you have out in your in your garage and think about, okay, has this frozen? Has, has this gotten yeah, down right. to freezing temperature? If so, it's no good. But what you may want to do is to take a picture of any label that you have on there so that you know exactly what the mixture is in case you need some of that paint. And it's always good to keep up a, a good index on what paint went where. Um, and uh, that's so valuable when you're doing just a little yeah. touch-up or wanting to do just a little bit of cosmetic things there. Uh, that's valuable to know what paint goes where. Yeah, and I have a, a few different simple solutions how to remember what paint you use where, but I was at Home Depot recently, and I bought new paint, and before I left, she said, wait a minute, before you go, let me put this into the computer, because I had brought, I'd like taken a picture of the old paint can, and mm-hmm. she logged it into the computer, and she oh, said, good. well, next time you need this paint, just let me know. We'll just look it up. It's all computerized in their system. I thought, that is great. So I'll just go and say, you know, I'm looking for, I bought some paint two years ago for, you know, a ceiling. And I don't remember the color and they can look it up. So, you know, that's another service of the paint. I love the paint department at Home Depot, by the way. Yeah. It's such yeah, a they... busy little, it seems like it's own separate little business there. I know it really yeah. is, really is. And and some desperate people walking up to that counter with a little bitty chip in their hand. <laughs> no, they don't worry about it. We'll take care of that. So. Yeah, with that analyzer, <laughs> you can bring them with anything. They put it in an analyzer. It could be a piece of fabric, a mm-hmm. paint chip. Could be almost anything. Pretty amazing. Hey, I want to remind you what you can see on the Today's Homeowner Television Show this weekend. We're in over 90% of the country, and I know you can see this particular show this weekend. We're calling it Lovable Laundry. It's a laundry room, a very busy laundry room with four young kids, four young boys. And so that's a lot of clothes to take care of. We made this room look a lot better, a lot more efficient, some pretty innovative ideas that you might want to use around your house, like adding a mop sink in your 
laundry room. A lot, lot easier than you might think. Also, adding additional countertop. Everybody can use a little bit of folding space there. Also, some little cubbies that we were able to build so that the boys know exactly where they need to put their laundry and where to pick it up when it's ready to be put back in their room. So, you want to check it out, just go to todayshomeowner.com and find out where you can see the Today's Homeowner television show in your area. And also, remember, and remember you can also see a lot of episodes of Today's Homeowner television show by going on some of our streaming platform, Exumo, Tubi, Freevee, Pluto, Roku. And also, we have our own channel on Vizio Smart TV and LG Smart TV. So tune in and take a look at it. That pretty much wraps up the show for this week. I'm Danny Lifford, along with my co-host Joe Truini, our engineer Corey Wilson, our producer Jacob Scarborough, and the whole Today's Homeowner family. Hoping you have a fantastic week. We'll see you next week here on Today's Homeowner Radio.